Welcome to this episode of Hacker Public Radio. This is Zoki and I'll be your host for today. I'm going to be talking about the hosts file. But before I can do that, I've got to explain a little bit about DNS and the internet and how it works roughly. Every computer has been given a unique number or IP address. Think of this as a phone number. For the purposes of this analogy, imagine that you always have to enter the area code. Now to get to another computer you need its IP address or phone number, otherwise you can't talk to it. I mean if you've got the phone you need to know the phone number because otherwise you don't dial it. Now what you can do is phone yellow pages up and ask to be put through to someone. So there is this yellow pages containing everyone's name and number. If you want to phone Google you just look them up in the yellow pages. However instead of this being your local yellow pages because the numbers change too quickly for that to work, you can actually phone another number up first, phone the operator if you will and they will give you the phone number for Google. Now in actuality you don't need to use the yellow pages because the computer does this for you. You type in google.com and it looks up the phone number and dials it. You can put the phone number in direct though. For a quick demonstration if you open up a command line or terminal in Windows the Windows key and R should bring up the run program dialog if not start run. You can enter CMD if you're on Vista or XP in 2000 I think it is, or Command if you're on 95 and 98, click OK and it will open up the terminal. And in Linux it depends on the window manager and distro and whatever you're on. I'm sure you probably know how to do that. Just open up a terminal, it will be under there somewhere. So in the window that's just opened up, if you type in ping, it's P-I-N-G, Papa India November Golf, then space www.google.com and press enter and it will run something and tell you something back something like ping www.google.com open brackets 208.67.219.231 close brackets and then a certain amount of data bytes of data and percentage that it worked and didn't work if you're on Linux it will probably keep running forever so you need to control C out of this now the number there, 208.67.219.231, is the phone number of Google. Well, one of the phone numbers. They have lots of people phoning, so they have several phone numbers. But you open up the web browser and Firefox or whatever you use, and enter 208.67.219.231, or whatever number you just found out, in the address bar. And hit enter. And hey presto, it loads Google up. You type the number in so the computer didn't have to look it up. You can do this with any page you want, in fact, but what's the point? Because phone numbers change, it's all dynamic. You can pay for static IP addresses, but it's normally much more expensive. So people use like DinDNS.com and stuff to, if they want to do stuff like that. But there's no real point, your IP addresses change, so there's no point actually remembering that. You just remember Google. That's the whole point of it, it's designed to be human readable. Google.com is a lot easier to remember than 208.67. Uh, whatever the number was. See, forgotten already. 208.67.219.231 I've got it written in front of me, that's the only reason I know. Google.com, everyone can remember that. So the whole DNS thing is basically a yellow page is looking up computer addresses or the phone numbers for them. This is a huge simplification if you actually know a lot more about DNS and want to talk about it, feel free to do your own Hack Public Radio episode. But that's basically enough for, for my purposes to explain the host's file here. The host's file is a bit like a piece of paper you have next to the phone where you write phone numbers down. Now you can write any phone number you want, you can write the wrong phone number. This becomes important in a moment. When you try and go to a website, instead of phoning yellow pages, you look up on the bit of paper first. You look up in the host's file. 
Whilst we're talking about yellow pages, actually, let's talk about other people's phone books. There are several copies of the DNS records around. There's like one master copy, but it's spread out to, I think it's five other master servers around. I think it's five anyway. But there is a certain number of master records around on the internet. If you actually took that, these out, the internet would pretty much die, but that's another story. There are the master ones, but there are also local copies, which the ISPs normally keep their own copy. So whichever ISP you use, they have their own copy. And if you go into the network settings, you will be able to see that there will be a DNS settings, DNS server 1, DNS server 2, DNS server 3, and so on. That'll be your local ISPs. You can use other ones. One common one, for example, is OpenDNS, which I will link to in the show notes. They have several choices of phone books you can use. In fact, they have a child-friendly one. For example, you can set up on your kid's machine. It won't let them go to any porn sites. I know. Depressing. Stopping porn off the internet. They also do other things. They block sites that they think are spammers, for example, that lots of people complained about. So you can stop your machine getting hacked, which is pretty cool. And I do actually use OpenDNS myself. I didn't set it up on my machine, though. I got my machine to point to the router, or router if you're American. So my computer, the wife's computer, connects to the router. The router then looks up on the OpenDNS servers to find out where it's meant to be going. This is quite cool because then all you need to do is change the router. You don't need to faff around doing other things. And it can cache copies of it so you don't need to keep looking up the phone numbers and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, back to the host's file. It will be located in various places. If you're on the Mac, it's uh, private, etc. hosts, apparently. At least that's what Google told me. On Windows, it's ccolon backslash windows backslash system32 backslash drivers backslash etc. backslash hosts. On Linux, it's simply slash etc. slash hosts. Need to mention the Windows file here. They do have a file hosts.sam, which stands for the sample. If you put anything in there, it doesn't do anything which I found out when I first started playing around with this. You need to rename it to hosts, just plain hosts. If you use Notepad, got to be careful because it will try and put hosts.txt. The Linux file does exist and does already contain stuff, and it's quite important because if you overwrite the file, which I did on a friend's computer, it killed sudo. And it couldn't run, and half the stuff didn't work because it uses the local IP address, it seems. So, got to be very careful about that, and I ended up having to grab a live CD to fix it. Once you've done changes, you can reboot to fix it. Or in Linux, you should be able to do a killall-hup-inet-d to restart it. Windows probably is a way, but it caches it, I found, generally, so reboot is the easiest way, just to make sure everything's flushed. And there's an example hosts file at uh, www.mvps.org slash winhelp2002 slash host.html. I will put that in the show notes. The basic format though is you put the IP address and then the URL. For example, if you want to connect to your local machine, let's say you're running scroll mail or something and you want to connect to your own machine, you can put 127.0.0.1, which is your local machine, space mail. And then you type in mail in your address bar on your browser and it will take you to your local machine. Pretty cool. I've got it set up for the DSL and the router. For example, mainly just because I'm lazy. And I had some issues originally. I kept changing the IP address and could never remember them. So I've got it set up so I can just type DSL or router and it shows me where it is. But this is the cool thing. Using the wrong phone number. Doubleclick.net suck. They have ads on about 
the entire internet, it seems. There's also issues that MySpace, for example, served ads up from... may not have been double-clicked, but it was one of these, and the server got hacked, the ad server got hacked. Then all you need to do is load MySpace, and suddenly your machine's hacked by this ad. MySpace itself was secure, but the ad server wasn't. And there are a bunch of 12-year-olds that got hacked on this, which is really bad. So what you can do is, if you don't want to see a double-click ad ever again, you add a new line for 127.0.0.1 space doubleclick.net. So you're saying doubleclick.net is on my local machine. So what then happens is you go to a website, there's a double-click ad there. It says, oh, double-click, I need to go there. Looks in the host file, oh, it's on the local machine. Looks on the local machine, can't find it, gives you a 404 error for it. However, the rest of the web page loads up because that's a different address. And you may end up with a small iframe saying 404 error or a blank or whatever, but you will not get the ad. This is really cool, it saves you bandwidth as well, and I highly recommend it for most sites. If you like the sites, if you like the sites and actually want them to have money from the ads. Basically, if it's a project that you like, don't do this. But if it's something big like MySpace and they're being idiots, feel free to do it. I'll let you figure out the morality of what you feel is right for that or not. Personally, I'd be tempted to just say block all the ads and just give donations to the people you like because then it saves them anyway. But this is a really cool way of blocking ads. Now I used to do this a lot and I said there's this MVPS website that they have a copy of one that blocks pretty much all the sites and all the really bad dodgy ones and spammers and stuff. It blocks a ton of websites that you don't want to go to and it's really cool. I moved on to Privoxy though from there and I'm now actually using Squid as a proxy server and I'm using that for a lot more because I'm getting it to control my cookies and things as well as blocking the ads out. But that's really cool and I highly recommend it. That's all I'm going to say for now. Nice short episode again. I try not to make these too long. Sometimes if you end up with a four hour show it's just a bit well, ignoring the fact it's a huge download, it's just way too long to listen to. So I try and keep these sort of 10-15 minutes long, just little bits of information. Just because after about 20 minutes the brain starts seizing up and you forget things and you stop listening properly. So let's just try and keep these nice and brief. I'd like to give a shout out to everyone in the IRC chat rooms that talks to me. Everyone that's given me feedback, everyone that says thank you. This has been Zoke. If you want to talk to me, my website is Zoke.org. All the details are on the Hack Public Radio website. You can go into correspondence and find me there. Keep giving me the feedback. Hopefully this one will be stereo. Apparently the last one was in mono, so I apologise for that. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to Hack Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by Caro.net, so head on over to caro.net.